we're so glad to have you here with us. I am with one of my best friends, honestly. Uh, I was about to say a good friend, but you're not just a good friend. You're one of my best. Uh, he's uh, a man that I've known for how long now? About 11 years? Yeah, right at. Uh, and uh, we have taken a mission trip together. Uh, we meet together in small groups all the time. We've uh, Our kids are around the same age, so we've gotten that in common. Our wives are good friends as well. Uh, but Dustin is a man who genuinely has seen God do so many wonderful things through his life. Uh, so many wonderful things through his family. He's seen his career advance. Um, he's somebody who has helped me physically. He's inspired me in that way. Um, and genuinely just a wonderful leader and teacher. And so I want to do a couple of sessions with you where we talk about um, success, how to be successful as individuals and defining that for our, our lives. Sure. But then also leadership. Um, you have led uh, throughout your life and now you have um, many different direct reports and lead projects as well as people and what you've seen in leadership. So let's start there and we'll move towards success. But just in leadership, I know we have many people out there who are maybe new in roles or maybe have new positions where they have direct reports sure. or they have you know, a team or um, we have pastors who watch this pastors who are trying to lead a church to the next level, lead their departments to the next level. But what would you say in terms of um, leadership? Like what to you is leadership? What makes a good leader? Sure. You know, leadership is something that I honestly uh, didn't start out doing. Uh, I, I started my career in sales and uh, I sold until the age of 27, and uh, and then I decided I wanted to be the boss, right? Uh, <laughs> and, and for no particular reason other than that's what I thought you did next. And leadership was not something that came easy to me, in all honesty. As a matter of fact, I failed miserably with leadership early on. And, uh, you know, I had one of those moments somewhat like, like you did it at one time. You tell a story about, you know, just looking in the mirror one day and saying, where do I want to take this thing? What do I want to do? Because... Uh, I was at a point in my career um, where I had a grace for sales, a heart for leadership, and uh, I, I couldn't get the leadership thing right. I just, I, I struggled and, and, you know, it was not something that I had, I had not struggled in my business life in the past. Sales came easy, leadership was difficult, and, and I had to decide, is this something I want to do? Mm. And, uh, and, and the decision was clear as clear as it could be to me. It was really on my heart to try to make an impact in others' lives. But first, you know, I had to lead me. I had to change me. I thought because I had been successful in one thing that that would automatically translate into success elsewhere and nothing could have been further from the truth. <laughs> so, uh, man, I just had to dig in, you yeah. know. Uh, I had to read everything I could get my hands on. I had to, you know, at the time it was CDs. It wasn't, you know, watching a podcast or listening to a podcast. It was go get the CD or right. go to the seminar or go hear the sermon or whatever the case may be. Yeah. So the first person I had to lead was me. Yeah. Uh, the first person that I had to change was me. And in order to do that, I had to get really honest with myself and uh, about what I was good at, what I wasn't good at. And I think that's what you have to do with your people. You have to be extremely honest with people 100% of the time. I see it so often where people in their job, uh, their career, they're, they're, you know, they're struggling or they're frustrated because they can't get to the next level. And oftentimes it's because the person leading them has not taken the time 
or quite frankly, um, has been a bit of a coward and has not been honest with that employee about what it is that's, that's really holding them back. Mm. And, uh, you know, you can, you can be honest with people and not harsh. You know, I, I always say, you know, you have to say the hard things, but say them in the nicest ways. Uh, if somebody's struggling in a particular area, they're not going to get any better if they don't recognize where they're struggling. And the truth of the matter is, if they knew, they would have probably already corrected already it. Already fixed it. So the leader's job is to be extremely honest and then help that individual see a path forward. But yeah. if you're not having the hard conversations, you're not being a leader. And that's with yourself and with your subordinates. I like that of like, let's, let's deep dive into both those things. Cause I think both of them are so important for every leader to understand is number one, the first person I must lead is myself sure. and be honest that I need to grow as a leader sure. and develop um, a plan to grow. Absolutely. It's funny. I was thinking about this with prayer actually this morning of, you know, if somebody came to me and said, well, teach me how to play basketball or something like that. It's like, we'll put the ball in the hoop. Right. And like, well, that is a basic explanation of how to sure. play basketball. Of like, here's the ball, put it in the hoop. You know, that kind of thing. We know there's so much more to, to it than that. Of like, there's all these different ways you can dribble and all these things you can learn. And you would go to a coach and then you would use practice and then you would kind of go up through leagues. You're not immediately playing in the NBA and those right. types of things. And even something like prayer, it's like, well, talk to God. Right. You know, and for a lot of people, that's all they know about prayer. But the disciples came to Jesus and said, Lord, teach us to pray. And he didn't say, well, all you do is talk to God. He's right. like, no, there are just like basketball or just like any of these other types of things, specific things you need to know. And if you do this, you'll see the ball moves better. And if sure. you do this, you'll see progress quicker. When you're, when you're leading yourself, mm -hmm. what did that look like for you to begin growing? You mentioned reading books, sure. listening to CDs and attending conferences. Did you have any plans for that of like, you know, how many books you would look to read or how often you would go to a conference or when would you listen to like your CDs? Sure. <laughs> that kind of thing? Yeah. And the answer is constantly. And, yeah. and, you know, that's a discipline that I think you have to, to develop on your own. Um, and, and do what works for you. And life's all about seasons. And sometimes, you know, one season you have more time than others. So, so for me at that time, it was like, okay, I'm determined. I'm going to do whatever it takes to be a good leader. And, you know, at that time it was, I'm going to pour in a hundred percent, you know, I'm going to read as much as I can possibly read. I'm going to read every morning. I'm going to read every night. And I've heard you talk about the same thing where you made a decision and, and, you know, I say it all the time. It's in our moments of decision that our destiny is shaped. I stole that from Tony Robbins. But, but it's so true. I, you know, there was no going back for me. I was not going back into sales. No matter what it took, I was going to become a good leader. So, you know, a little bit of all of it as much as I possibly could. Um, you know, a, a great example for you would be, you know, you went through a season where you, you preached five sermons every single weekend. Well, if the average pastor is teaching one sermon per weekend, you had five weeks of experience right. in one weekend, right. right? And people look at you and they go, he's a phenomenal speaker. He, he's so motivational. You know, we were talking, you know, just in here prior to, to this session of what an impact you have to the people in the room. And it's like, that didn't happen instantly. That happened over a whole lot of time where you were just pouring in day after day after day, what it is you do, you got better at it. And for me, it was just, yes, I'm going to read a book 
every single week. You know, I'm going to I'm going to go to a seminar once a month. I'm going to be in church every single Sunday. Uh, And then the important thing is anybody can read a book, right? It does you absolutely no good if you don't take what you read and apply it. You know, I think the statistics, the statistics are something like 90 percent of the people that read that that buy a book don't read past the first chapter. Yeah, it, it's a true statistic, it, and, and and that's just to me is nonsense. Yeah. Well, so is reading the entire book and not applying anything you right. learn. You know, don't just read the book for the sake of reading. Go try it. Do something different, um, and that's where you're going to see yourself truly grow. Yeah. Now, I would I like that answer so much because I, I see in my own life I had to confront this, but I'm seeing this more and more in the generations that are coming up is this value of entertainment that is so strong because it's so readily available sure. that on my phone and before entertainment was just like, can I get to the arcade? Right. Um, and can I get to like the television and wrestle the remote away from my parents? Cause there was one TV video games weren't in the house. They were at arcades. So you had to go there and that was entertainment. And so out of that, then that kind of shifted to now you've got a video console at home. Televisions are getting cheaper. That's the one thing that's actually, you know, gotten cheaper over the years. Now everybody has a TV. And then that morphed over into the cell phone where it's now my cell phone. Not only do I have games, but I have all these other apps that are entertaining. I've got all these shows that I can watch. I've got all these things that I can look look at. I can spend hours on TikTok. I can spend hours on Instagram, all of these things. And so people are valuing entertainment more than wisdom like never before sure and by no means would i ever tell anybody like don't value entertainment it's just you've got to get your big rocks in first and you've got to value wisdom as the principal thing and get wisdom in before entertainment and so i'm with you in my early stages of leadership all I did was read. I threw away my television. I threw away, you know, my computers and all those things. At that time, they didn't do that much. Like <laughs> now I don't know how you would go without it. But anyway, like I had all of, and I, I said, I'm every book my father read over the course of True. 20 years in ministry. I will read this in one year. Right. And, and just valued wisdom, made it the principal thing in my life and began to grow. Sure. And I think so many times that's what people have, have seen. It, people, anybody I'm trying to lead, if they see or believe in their mind that they actually know more than me or they actually would do my job better than me, or I, you, you've probably seen it. I'm not sure. That, but like, it's hard to lead them. Sure. They don't want to be led by you. Sure. And if they are outgrown, they might have your job sure. <laughs> and that kind of thing. So it's always my job to study, to show myself approved, a workman who's not ashamed of my work and to come to this place where there's nobody who's going to know more about this than me. Sure. And I'm going to learn the new technology. I'm going to read the books. I'm going to go to the conferences. I'm going to update the sim. But I will choose wisdom. Uh, over entertainment and begin to invest in myself and and be honest with myself if I am trying to be lazy with this. Sure. And it never ends. Yeah. I mean, you never arrive. I think that's what's so important for people to believe is, I mean, to understand is like this whole success thing, um, you never truly get there because once you get to one level, you're going to need to up your game to get to the next one. Like I, I don't read quite as much as I did when I was 
just trying to figure it out. But leadership changes. People yeah. learn differently. Um, you know, I can impact people today that I couldn't 20 years ago yeah. and uh, vice versa. Right. Yeah. And so I'm constantly still trying to learn and, and trying to figure out this whole thing. I haven't arrived yet. <laughs> uh, I'm better than I was 20 years ago, but I certainly understand that that I haven't arrived. And I, I think that's important, too. I read a report uh, like two days ago of a doctor who's 93 years old. I read the same and thing. And still has his medical license. Yeah, I read the same thing. And he was talking about how he got his, I think it was his grandson, to teach him the apps and the yep. technology because in order to move with medicine, he needed to figure out these things. He got the law degree in his 60s, I believe, <laughs> just because he was just interested because, in law. Why not? I'm like, okay, sure. I'm like, what am I doing exactly uh, with my right. life? So, but, but out of that, it's that type of heart. Lee, I heard John Maxwell say this years ago, leaders are learners, yeah. period. If you want to be a leader, you've got to be a learner right. and come to that place where like scripture teaches us that wisdom is the principal thing and all your understanding, get wisdom and all of your efforts, get, get, get wisdom. And like, sure. it's the, it's, it's better than rubies. It's better than silver. The obtaining of it is better than the obtaining of gold. And so out of that, I think as leaders, we have to come to that place and be honest with ourselves and, and get that wisdom on how to do leadership well. I could not agree with you more than on having tough conversations with the people that we are leading. Sure. No one should be surprised if they get a raise. Absolutely. And no one should be surprised if they don't get one. Yep. No one should, should have to work at a place and not understand what their assignment is, what they're working on, what they need to get better at, what their strengths are. They should know because they should be told what their weaknesses are, all of those kinds of things. Yeah. But so many times we have an underperforming person and underperforming departments and underperforming areas, but no one wants to come in and be honest right. uh, with those, those people and to have those tough conversations of here's the areas we need to see growth in. How do you break through that barrier of fear? And, and how do you not make that result you into to becoming the bad guy? You know, I, I think that you just have to understand that if you truly want to be a leader, then that means that you want to help people. At the end of the day, leadership is helping people get to the next level, the next step. It's, you know, guiding them in the right way. And you can't guide somebody without having some tough conversations. It's going it's to happen. Uh, you can't avoid it. And the truth is you've just got to come to your, to the own personal understanding that if I don't do this, I'm not doing my job. And quite frankly, I'm doing a huge disservice to this individual. Um, some of my favorite stories, um, come out of some very, very, very tough conversations and they don't all turn out well. Um, I often find myself challenging employees and kind of holding the mirror up and giving specific examples of, look, you know, here's the situation. This is the job that you want. However, this is how you're performing in your current job. As a matter of fact, the job that you want will be leading employees in the division you're currently in. And you're not doing what you're supposed to do, right? right? So how are you going to lead somebody when you're not being a good steward of what you've already been given? You know, I, I say it all the time. And I, I, again, I stole this from Dr. Rob Carmen. Little hinges swing big doors. It's the little things that we do that have the biggest impact. And with employees, you've got to show them that you recognize sometimes that they're not doing these little things. And until they're good stewards of that, you can't put them in another position. You got to do the little things until, and then the big things will happen. 
Um, so for me, it's understanding that I'm, I'm doing a disservice to an employee by not having those tough conversations. And, and look, you got to learn how to have those. You right. can't just walk in and, and hit somebody in the mouth. You know, I often say, if you're going to have a, different, a difficult conversation, I use the sandwich method. I find something they do right. That's a little bit of bread there. The meat of the issue is in the middle, and you soften it on the other side before you leave. So that, you know, you, you come in, they feel good. You leave, they feel good. But really what you need to talk about is in the middle. And that middle part has got to be direct. You, you can't sugarcoat it all. Now, you can say it in a nice way, but you got to get to the meat of the message. You got to tell them exactly what they're doing wrong. And then you got to give them a path forward. You got to tell them, you know, here's what you're doing wrong. Here's how you change it. This is what you need to do in the future. Yep. And give them the opportunity to do that. Uh, and I love to see it when that happens. I love to see the guy that can hear uh, a tough message walk out of the room and turn it around. There's nothing I love more as a, as a leader than to see that and then get to come back and give them that job or double promote them. I've had situations to where they were in one position, they applied for a job just one level up, had a very tough conversation with them. They immediately recognized it, owned it, turned it around, and they didn't get the job they originally wanted. They got the boss's boss's job, right? Uh, I love that. And it was because they were, they were good stewards of what they heard. They went out, pivoted, made the shift, and immediately everybody in the organization saw them differently because they made the change. Yeah. One of the things that I like about your industry, and I, I think that um, this is, is something that probably any leader can, can understand to some degree, uh, especially small business owners and, and things like that that have metrics that like they have to hit. Absolutely. Like we've got to bring in... X amount of dollars is if we don't, sure, we are not making money. Right. Uh, and out of that, we've got to eat. <laughs> Same thing with, you know, uh, churches that need to hit sure. certain metrics in order to um, sustain themselves yep. and then to grow. So, but your organ is very metrics driven. Sure. Um, you look at metrics all the time. Yep. Your employees are aware of those metrics, where they stand with those things, which I think is very healthy. They, they know like out of those metrics what they have to hit. And yep. when they're not, they're having those tough conversations. Yep. Um, so I, I think that, you know, at some point I'd love to kind of help organizations set up healthy metrics because I think so many small business owners and things like that, um, they just have employees who are working. They're not working to change any number that actually matters. Yep. Um, they're not. Um, I, I, I was doing some consulting for some pastors and they were kind of showing me some of the people they were looking to hire. I'm like, OK, what number are they responsible for? And like, what do you mean? I'm like, you're you're telling me the task they're responsible for. But where does that task impact the numbers? Sure. And what they saw is like it actually doesn't impact any number. I'm like, then why are you hiring? Don't hire. <laughs> That's exactly so right. I think there's a whole other uh, line of teaching we could do there to help small business owners, business sure. leaders and pastors kind of be like, OK, let's look at numbers and manage with metrics and manage with these numbers yep. and that kind of thing. But I, I think what we're talking about in like the context of having tough conversations 
when things aren't hitting their numbers mm-hmm. and you're having that tough, tough conversation or people are pressed to reach numbers. Mm-hmm. One of the big things that I've, I've tried to help a lot of leaders with and pastors with in this is they feel it. When you go from like a mom and pop culture where it's like, we have a, a good work environment. Uh, it's fun. You know, the product's great, but then somebody gets serious because we're about to go broke. And sure. it's like, <laughs> we've got to make this profitable. We've got to make this grow. And so they, they start leading with metrics and numbers and pressure comes into the organization and pressure comes to employees. Now, we know pressure actually is good for us. Absolutely. That where there is no discomfort, there is no growth. And if we try to make everything comfortable in a workout or everything comfortable in reading, I would never read if I read just for comfort. No progress whatsoever. <laughs> I would never grow if I just went to the gym for comfort. So we've got to make things uncomfortable for them mm-hmm. to grow. And oftentimes that results in pressure mm-hmm. in sales positions in jobs. It leads to tough conversations to try to get pressure pointed in the right direction to see improvement in a person. But how do we manage that pressure? Like how, how is you, cause I know we all want to be liked and, and we want to have healthy work cultures and like have departments where people enjoy their work. And this is not something that's, you know, okay, great. It's paying the bills, but I can't stand it. Yeah. Like all of those types of things. How do we manage pressure with a healthy work environment? That's also, I wouldn't say adding fun. I think that'd be great if we could get there, but life, like sure. it's life giving to be in this job. Yeah, you know, you said it, and and uh, you know, people talk of it's all rage, right? But it is culture. Um, I think that if you have a healthy culture, you can do both. You can have fun at work, but you can also know that there is an expectation where we're we're showing up to win every single day. We're here to win, and that's just part of who you are as an organization. Um, so they know the pressure's there intrinsically. I would hate to think that I had an employee that came to work and didn't feel any pressure. Yeah. Uh, quite frankly, they're in the wrong spot. We've got pressure. We're going to perform. We're here to be number one. We're here to win. But at the same time, we're going to have fun in the process. And I've got a strong belief that people truly know the right thing to do. And so I ask my, my team that all the time is what's the right thing to do morally and ethically, you know, 30,000 foot view, not what's right for the customer or what's right for the company. What's right, period. Period. Mm. What's right, period. And that's our, that's our culture. And I, I tell all of my employees, look, if you can make any decision based on what's the right thing to do, I'll back you 100% of the time and you're empowered to do whatever it is you need to do. If you need to spend $10,000, spend it. Do it today. You don't have to come talk to me about it. If you need to collect 10000 do it today. Don't come talk to me about it if it's the right thing to do. Right. If you truly can't decide, tie goes to the customer, Right. If you truly can't decide and it's and it's related to an employee, tie goes to the employee. But at the end of the day, if we show up, if we show up every day knowing that all our only metric is truly let's do the right thing, a lot of the other ones will fall into place. Now, don't get me wrong. We've got a lot of them, but I can show you where those little decisions, asking yourself that one question will, will help every single metric underneath that fall into place. Yeah. Have you ever had... Um, an employee who was underperforming sure. that you think uh, when you think about all the <laughs> underperforming employees that may of like an, an, an instance where it just really turned around and what you did there as a leader to help this em- employee, the help this teammate turn the corner and begin producing results. Do you remember certain things that you did on purpose or 
things that kind of worked. Sure, we'll, we'll go back to, to one of the earlier examples I gave. I had, a, I had an individual who worked for us who actually applied for a job uh, within the organization. And uh, I went over to sit down and interview him. And Joel, he did lights out in the interview. When I tell you he knocked the interview out of the park, I was blown away. If I'm being completely candid, I didn't, I didn't expect much out of the interview. I didn't expect him to do as well as he did, but he was, he was a, uh, he was a, a field service technician for, for our company and he was applying for a foreman job. And, uh, you know, I, I sat through that interview and I was like, man, I would hire this guy in a heartbeat, but there's so many of the things that we expect of him that he's not getting right. You know, he's not turning his time cards on time. He's not returning his, his parts back to the service department. He's arriving late. Those little hinges, you know, for that yeah. big door, you know, he, he just wasn't doing those things. So and, I, and that's important. Absolutely. Too, because even in the kingdom of God, if you're not faithful with the little things, it doesn't matter if I like you and you have a great personality. Yeah, you're matter. not ready for the big things. Sure. Um, and so. So anyway, you know, through that process, I brought him back in after the interview. And I, and I, you know, the sandwich process, I told him how amazing he did in the interview. I told him how proud of him I was. I told him how I was blown away at how well the interview went. And then I looked him in the eye and said, I'm not going to hire you. I'm not going to, I'm not going to promote you. And here are the reasons why. And I laid out all of the issues that I knew that we were having with this particular employee, how he wasn't arriving on time and he wasn't turning in his paperwork. And I said, you know, the truth of the matter is all these things that you're currently not doing, or what you would have to hold all of your peers accountable to. So how in the world are you going to hold them accountable if you can't hold yourself accountable? And remember back where we started, where I talked about it all starts with you? And uh, I said, you've got to change some things. And I tell you, Joel, within six to eight months, not only had he changed everything, but he had become a leader without the promotion. Mm. Everybody came to him to, hey, man, how do we do this? Where do we look for that? What do you think I ought to do here? His peers were now coming to him without him having the title because leadership's not about title. Right. Leadership never has anything to do with titles. Yes. You can have the, the, the biggest title in the company and not be a leader and vice versa. You yeah. can have no title at all and be leading everybody. Yeah. Um, and that's where he found himself. So uh, as I mentioned earlier, tough conversations, laying out expectations to exactly what it is that they need to adjust. And then seeing if they find themselves faithful with that. And lo and behold, you know, I didn't need a foreman anymore. I had filled that position, but I lost a manager. So now he became the boss of the foreman job that he'd applied mm. for. He's still in that role today, doing a phenomenal job. Um, and, and, you know, I've, I've got a thousand stories like that, but it all starts with that tough conversation and an employee understand, hey, what, did it, what is it that I'm doing wrong? How do I correct it? What is the expectation? And then we always have to, to raise our expectations. I've never seen anybody get better by lowering their expectations. Yes. Um, so we constantly have to raise not only our expectations for our employees, but for ourselves. You yeah. know, you're surely going to arrive. Uh, and then it's time to, to up the expectation one more time. I Where like am it. I going from here? You know? I like it. I like it. I like it. Well, uh, we're going to come back and we're going to do it again. But until then, thank you for listening to us. Thank you for watching us. We're honored for, for you to be a part of this journey. And I pray that you just see God do some amazing things in you as a leader, but also through your leadership and the lives of those you lead. Until next time, we'll see you again.